listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. I'd like to take this time right now and introduce Clark Rockfull again, our ACB uh, Advocacy and Governmental Affairs Director, and Swathananda Kumar, our ACB Advocacy Specialist. Welcome, Clark. Welcome, Swatha. Well, Swatha, we have a very special guest joining us here today, uh, someone who is an ally of ACB and the disability community, and someone that we hope will be able to help us champion these imperatives as well. So now I'd like to take this opportunity to introduce and turn to our special guest for some remarks about the work that they are doing. And I'd like to introduce uh, Representative Debbie Dingle, uh, a member of Congress from Michigan, who is also one of the co-chairs of the Congressional Bipartisan Disability Caucus. Representative Dingle, how are you doing today? Well, I'm well, Clark, and it's great to be with everybody. Well, thank you so much. And I'd, I will let you uh, take it away and share the work that you are doing uh, on behalf of people with disabilities and all constituents in Congress. Well, thank you. And thank you to everybody. It's great to be with you. Uh, and I'm happy to share part of this afternoon with you. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join the Council, American Council of the Blinds Legislative Seminar, because it's really important that you learn about the issues. And I'm glad to have uh, be able to talk a little bit about what I'm working on in Congress and to hear from you uh, about how we can best work together and how I can help you with your legislative priorities. I'm proud to have recently taken on this role of co-chair of the Bipartisan Disabilities Caucus. When my friend, Jim Langevin, he founded this caucus, was its co-chair, and he came to me and asked me if I would take it over for him, and I took that very, very seriously. And I would say to you that we've, need, we've made progress. My husband, um, uh, was one of the original people who worked on this bill when it was originally passed, and we've made progress, but we got a lot of work that remains to be done. We need to continue to support bipartisan efforts to provide long-term services and supports in home and community-based care by expanding and strengthening programs like Money Follows the Person, which allows people to receive care in the setting of their choice. We also need to continue to support investments in affordable, accessible housing and connecting Americans with disabilities with these resources, to these resources. Additionally, we got to, we must support inclusivity in the workplace and strengthen opportunities for employment of people with disabilities. Collectively, these policies will advance equity and provide opportunities for Americans with disabilities. From passage of the Americans with Disabilities Act to other initiatives to empower people with disabilities to fully participate in American life, these efforts have traditionally been and should always be bipartisan. I just really believe that, and my co-chair believes that too. 
I'm also a co-sponsor of the medical device. Um, non, sorry, guys, I can't read. Non-Visual Accessibility Act, because we cannot allow people who are blind or have low vision to be excluded from a full, happy, and independent life due to inaccessible medical technologies. While home-based medical devices or home-use medical devices are becoming more prevalent, they're less accessible to blind Americans, and that's not okay. So much of our new technology requires interacting with user interfaces that aren't accessible to blind or low vision individuals. The Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act will establish non-visual accessibility standards for these devices so that individuals who are blind or have low vision can enjoy the same services with the same privacy independence and use and tissues as individuals without vision impairments. Home and community-based service care issues are a major priority for me, and they're personal for me as well, because I was fortunate to have my husband, John, who I loved with my whole heart and soul, who at the end had a very difficult time walking, but he received care at home until the day that he died. But that experience revealed, and I was very blessed that his brain was always there, but it, it, I needed to have help at the end. That but, and I learned how broken our system is, how hard it is to navigate it, how crazy it is. That experience revealed to me the shortcomings that we have in the home care system and infrastructure and how many challenges individuals with disabilities face just to get the care that they need. And I know that we were luckier than 99 and nine-tenths of the people in this country. We know that a majority of people would prefer to receive care in the home, in their own homes, or a community-based setting. And the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act will make that possible for more people. Americans who live with vision loss, visual impairment, low vision, and blindness deserve deserve to manage their own health and have access to the same resources, information as those who do. Not only is it the right thing to do, but we have no excuse not to be adding accessibility components to devices. It's not expensive and it's already done in many terms, items. It's common sense that essential medical devices should have the same or better accessibility features as our iPhones. And I will always fight to protect, expand, and strengthen Medicare, which has proven to be one of the most successful programs in American history. In 1945, my father-in-law, John Dingle Sr., introduced the first universal health care bill. And in Congress, my husband, John Dingle, introduced it every year starting in 1955. It took 45 to 65 to get Medicare. Since then, we've seen CHIPS and the Affordable Care Act and other bills 
we need to make sure that all of you have access to the care that you need and that you can afford it. Because they recognize then that every American's got the right to quality, affordable health care. It is something I believe I'm here for at this time. And it's something I'm never going to stop fighting for. And quite frankly, that includes vision care. It is something that I feel very, very strongly about. Your perspectives guide my work in Congress. I look forward to our conversation today and to continuing to work with you and advocating for your priorities. Thank you. Representative Dingle, thank you so much. Um, uh, just a, a big thank you from the American Council of the Blind and our partners for your support and your bipartisan co-chairs support of the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act. So we, uh, we do have members who are listening here, and I'm sure that we will have lots of questions. Hopefully you're able to stick around for a few minutes as we, as we take questions from our audience. Uh, but before we recognize our members, Swatha, it, do you have any questions related to ACB's priorities that you would like to ask the representative? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so um, given the upcoming federal aviation administration's um, reauthorization and um, the flurry of air travel related legislation and um, other issues, um, what are your office's plans or the office's plans around people who are blind or have guide dogs? Well, I need to look into it more. You should, you're allowed to bring those blind dogs on the plane uh, with you. And I, I guess I need to understand and have more um, specific. If you all want me to be urging TSA to do more, I'd like to hear from you about what those needs are. But I have always worked to ensure that people with disabilities are treated with respect and dignity, can travel through TSA quickly, respectfully. And we've worked very hard to make sure that your dogs are allowed on the plane and are able to stay with you. And Representative, you mentioned the importance of people with disabilities uh, having equity and equal access in the workplace. One of the largest barriers to employment that we hear about at the American Council of the Blind from our members is when workplace technology is inaccessible to people with disabilities, whether that's uh, completing an application online or if it's a, an online service or online you know, software portal that is inaccessible and prevents somebody from having uh, equal access to the benefits and privileges of employment. 
Um, this is one of the reasons that the Websites and Software Applications Accessibility Act is a, a top priority for our organization. Um, this was introduced in 2017 by Representative Sarbanes, and we're working to have it reintroduced in the 118th Congress. Oh, is there anything that uh, you would be able to share with our members on whether it's the Americans with Disabilities Act or otherwise, um, what needs to be done to ensure that the virtual built environment is as accessible as the physical built environment for people with disabilities? So we need to keep pushing for that. We need to keep pushing for regulations that can be done at the executive level without us having to do more legislation, but we will have to pass more legislation as we've been talking about. The, and I'm, we'll talk to John Sarbanes, he's a good friend of mine. He is the one that's gonna reintroduce this legislation. We need to try to get through ENC. And we need to, quite frankly, in the House, we're not gonna get bills through without Republicans supporting us. Mm -hmm. So for those of you that have relationships with Republican members of Congress, I urge you to talk to them about it. And we're gonna keep pushing to try to get these kinds of things done because we need to sensitize people. They don't even think about these issues. And we do need to make sure that you have equal access. So we will keep fighting hoping that we're going to get this done and, and workplaces are going to do it. We have some workplaces that are, are more uh, empathetic and more aware of it. And we have some that aren't, and we've got to push to educate everybody. Thank you, representative. And Swatha, do you have one more question before we open it up to audience Q and a? Um, yeah. Um, so given Clark's like um, employment, the whole employment issue. Um, one of the other barriers we we find from regarding um, access to employment and workplace conditions is just trans, trans, transit being able being able to get there or being able to like take um, transit to um, a workplace or to a job interview. Um, so, given that there's a lot of logistic logistic activity on autonomous, autonomous vehicles and given that autonomous vehicles are um that they are like that they do represent um a great like opening of doors for blind television individuals um what sort of plans or what what can we do to make sure that these um or what plans do you have um in this regard to make sure EVs are accessible to blind folks and that they are, they're, they're, they're equitably, um, used and, and, and um, yeah, um, with the brother. So I'm the leader of autonomous vehicle legislation in the Congress and, uh, have made it very clear that we're going to get behind other countries, uh, I would, by the way, not everybody trusts autonomous vehicles. I would say to my husband, um, you know, this would give you the freedom and independence he wanted because he wanted to be able to drive. And I wouldn't let him drive because I feared for other, don't, I mean, it's not here for me to give him a hard time, but um, 
but autonomous vehicles are the vehicles of the future and we cannot get behind China and other countries. So I have been working very hard um, with all the, all the stakeholders of trying to uh, get legislation that everybody will sign off on. Kathy McMorris Rogers, who is the Republican chair of energy and commerce committee said to me, I want to get this bill done with you, Bob Lada, another Republican. You know, I got autonomous vehicle legislation through the house unanimously four years ago. Um, and we've got to get it done because of the, what it does mean for not just people like you, but for seniors, for people with disabilities, people who, who can't drive. It gives you freedom. It gives you the ability to go where you want to go. And it is the technology of the future. It is one of the things that I'm totally devoted to getting done this year. And I'm hoping we can get it done in a bipartisan way. Well, we have to get it done because we're not going to get through the house if it's not by person. Thank you. Thank you, Representative. And now I'd like to turn to our Zoom host to share how folks may uh, be recognized if they have a question for the representative. All right. If you have a question, go ahead. And if you're on a phone, I believe it is star nine to raise your hand on an iPhone. Uh, I haven't given these in a while. So on an iPhone, uh, it's on, I actually don't remember where it is under the iPhone. It's, we usually play a recording to, to cover this. And on a computer, it's Alt-Y to raise your hand. And we do have a few hands already. Are you ready to start taking notes? Yes, please. I am, and I do apologize. I've got a one thirty, so I'm going to want to take as many as I can in a short period of time. Okay, first of up, we have a phone number that is 215 ending in 735. There we go. This is Ray Campbell, but I'm in on my phone today. Representative Dingle, first of all, thank you for agreeing to be a co-sponsor of the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, I'm your neighbor from the Southwest in Illinois, and um, here's my question. Fifteen years ago, the United States Court of Appeals ordered the U.S. Treasury to make currency accessible to people who are blind or visually impaired. It has been 15 years. We do not have any accessible currency out there. The $20 bill is under redesign. The Biden administration and the Treasury are openly trying to sneak through a design, hoping we will not notice that it is not accessible. What can your caucus do and what can we do to get the Department of the Treasury to follow what the court told them 15 years ago and make currency accessible? We want it now. Well, the first thing we'll do is do a letter uh, to the Treasury from the bipartisan uh, disability caucus asking questions. So uh, my staff will work with the staff of this organization to get as much information as we can. And we will ask Treasury what they are doing um, and ask for an accounting of implementing the court order. Thank you very, very much. And uh, glad to to hear it. Thank you so much, Representative. And uh, maybe one more question uh, before you have to leave. We really appreciate your time today. I love being with you all. All right. Do we have any questions from the chat? Because that's another way you can ask questions is through chat. 
Okay. Barring that, we will say hi to from Doug. Good afternoon, Representative Dingle and and uh, uh, Clark and and Swatha. Um, my question comes. I am the president of the the special interest affiliate called the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, and we're very interested in the older independent blind program, which has been funded at the same level of thirty three million dollars for the whole country for uh, a, a, this sort of the same at least fifteen years. And we uh, obviously uh, elder people uh, and they're, uh, you know, have are participating in society a lot more than uh, perhaps 15 years ago. Um, the technology has has moved on and we don't have enough money to uh, either get people devices or get them trained on devices. And um, we're uh, we're actually currently servicing about 5% of the eligible people. Um, can you put this on your uh, priority list uh, to uh, increase the funding for old, older independent blind program, which is through RSA? I'm absolutely gonna look at it. And um, I would also encourage you to talk to AARP and to a, a number of groups to have them looking at pushing for this so that you build an advocacy coalition of people pushing for it, but absolutely. I'll have my team look into it today. Hey, Thank Travis, you. we have a Q and a, if I can just insert it here, we've got a question that came. Thank out you very much. Chat. Certainly. Um, Representative Dingle, who is your co-chair or the, Brian Fitzpatrick. Uh, or the rank, the uh, ranking member? Um, no, no, it's not a ranking. It's a co-chair. It's a co-chair. Brian okay. Fitzpatrick. Okay. Very good. Thank you very much. And again, Representative Dingle, uh, thank you so much for your time here today uh, to spend it with the American Council of the Blind and our nationwide membership. We hope that you have an opportunity to meet with our state affiliate from Michigan, the Michigan Council of the Blind and Visually Impaired in the coming weeks. I look thank forward you, to it. Thank you, both of you. Thank you, everybody. It's great to be with everybody. Clark and Swassel, thank you. But everybody, it's been nice to spend part of my Monday with all of you. Thank you. And we look forward to continued collaboration with you, your staff, and the caucus. I look forward to it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. You can reach us by emailing advocacy at acb.org. The ACB Advocacy Update is a production of the American Council of the Blind in Alexandria, Virginia. To learn more about ACB, visit us online at www.acb.org.